Hey you, you're listening to the Sloan Cast. We are your hosts slash best friends slash fellow superfans. My name is Rob. This is Ken. How you doing, Ken? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, pretty good, man. Uh, this is a podcast for everybody out there listening where we discuss in depth anything and everything about the greatest band of all time. Chris Murphy, Jay Ferguson, Patrick Pallon, and Andrew Scott, collectively known as Sloan since 1991, which I want to say, by the way, because a couple episodes ago I said 1990. Uh, and while technically Andrew, Jay, and Chris got together just after Christmas 1990, the band didn't technically start until 1991. So I just want to make a correction there. Uh, our, we are... Uh, privileged this week, guys, to be joined by an incredible guest, the go-to guest, guys. If you've seen a Sloan, if you've ever seen a Sloan video, or if you've seen them on TV, you know his face. You probably know his name. Uh, his name is Ron Baker, otherwise known as Blue Suit Ron. How's it going, Ron? Good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's going very well. Thanks so much for asking me to be here. What what a privilege. And I, I and I'll say I'm I'm not in the uh, everything she's done wrong video, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you know what? I, you know what? The everything you've done wrong video was included on the secondhand views compilation, which I believe you are on the cover of. Uh, so, hey, there you go. Which I was actually one of the things I was going to confirm with you if that is in fact you on the cover right behind Chris. I got to go take a look at that. I'm looking at it right now on my shelf. I, I should go and pull that out. I, you know okay, what? So while, while Ron goes and gets that off the shelf. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll give him a minute just to go look at it. Cause I was staring at this thing the other day and I was like, I'll bet you a million bucks. That's Ron yeah. with the dyed blonde hair, holding a camera with a toque. Uh, Cause I, I believe, and he'll confirm for us in just a minute that one of the first things he sort of attended in terms of like Sloan, you know, uh, events was the uh, lines you men video in 1986. Right. right. Um, so yeah, here comes, here comes Ron. It's, you know, it's it, Rob, when you, when you told me about Ron, um, if, you know, I, I didn't have a, I couldn't put a face to the name. And you, uh, so you said, oh, we, we need to get blue suit Ron onto Sloancast. And I thought <laughs> blue suit Ron, this sounds like, okay, it's a handle of some kind, but you know, that doesn't ring a bell. Who are you talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, he was in the lines of a men music video and then he was, uh, in the in both intimate interactives for navy blues and for pretty together uh oh yeah and he was also in the uh in in the canadian version of the if it feels good do it music video my love I know who Ron is. Every every self-respecting Sloan fan knows exactly who Ron is. Yeah, otherwise known as the only version of If It Feels Good, feels good That's to right. Come on. That's right. The performance uh, version be damned. Right? <laughs> I know what's that all about. Canadian version, American version, when you go on YouTube and do the search. <laughs> so, Ron, can you confirm that that is, in fact, you on the front? It is. Oh, my gosh, man. You guys are are seriously super fans, for sure. I consider myself a super fan as well. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. You look, you look at the front of this video. It's hard to tell what the front is actually if this is the front or if this is the front but i think that's the front and yeah it's um it's a photo from the um lines umn video sh video shoot december of 96 that was amazing wow yeah there you are so you're there on the cover holding a camera you're next to chris where he where he's wearing the uh, i think it was their assistant's sunglasses or something because he wanted to look cool i think awesome. so yeah love it so let me just run down the ron resume if i can so this is the these are the places that i recall seeing you just off the top of my head hit me if i've uh, missed anything okay just for the people out there listening if Perfect. you don't know who ron is uh, you know spoiler alert you actually do know who he, who he is so, here we go. <laughs> so lines you men video he's in the intro Yes. Uh, during the sort of to sir with love sort of uh, intro. The there Rolling that they got Stones going. were boarding a plane, whatever. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, the, he's he's uh, present at the uh, the intimate interactive in 1998 for Navy Blues. He's outside, but you you definitely see a whole lot of Ron dancing at the end of Underwhelmed at the end of the show when Chris runs outside, and then he's he's he uh, Chris says it is my man from the video, the lines he were men, and he works Ron into the song, uh, which is incredible. Uh, then we next see Ron in the she says what she means video, wearing the famous blue suit, which I want to get into. We want to quickly just ask. I just have to quickly just veer off for a second. Do you have the blue suit still, by chance? I still do, actually. Yeah. Where is it? I, you know what? I might be looking at it in the in the closet right now. I, I don't think I have the pants anymore. I'll, I'll have to double check that. They, I think they've been separated for sure. But I mean, I can get into the full story about that now and everything that led to that. Or, or, or let's, we can wait. Let's get right back to the blue suit in just a sec. You'll have to send us a photo so we can put that up on uh, Instagram, will. social media, and stuff. So you kick over the barricade in the she says what she means video. You're in there. You're pumping your fist. You're clearly the most excited got to be there um you're rocking it i recall seeing you of course uh in your speaking role in the if it feels good do it canadian version of the video uh where you let us know what rock and roll is about you let us know that it's about freedom you also let us know that it's about the odd chick we'll get into that as well (laughs) and then and then then from from this i knew i'd answer for that one day <laughs> I love it. So, and then also at the live at Much 2001, uh, you were an audience member, uh, as I was as well. We both asked a question. One of us was on the too cool scale. One of us, one of us was on the the nerdier side. That was me. Uh, and we found all. out we found out from your intro that you're from Malton, Ontario. Malton. And uh, and so let's let's get into that, man. So let's let's hear a little bit. Well, before we get to the blue suit, did I miss anything? You know what? I, I I tried to sit there and quantify how many shows I've been to and all the odds and ends, but um, no, that sounded pretty comprehensive. There might be one or two, but um, no, that sounded perfect. We'll figure it out. So you're from we'll Malton, Ontario. Why don't Malton, you just regale us for a few minutes about sort of like young Ron, some of the music he maybe liked growing up, and then how you got into Sloan? Yeah, I would love to. Um I mean, I grew up sort of into rap, you know, I, I, I appreciate what you guys were saying about Andrew and his eclectic taste in music, but yeah, I grew up in, um, in Malton and Etobicoke. My parents were divorced and sort of was, uh, you know, looking forward to getting home from school every day and watching Rap City, but there sort of in the nineties, sort of in the nineties, everything sort of changed and went into, you know, Nirvana became a force and, and the whole scene sort of just changed. My, my introduction to Sloan actually was, it's kind of funny. 94 was, I think Weezer's blue album came out that year. Yeah. And, I, and I remember the coax me video, right. And it sort of had that same blue background that, that the sweater song video had. So I always called, I always referred to Sloan initially as the, uh, the Canadian Weezer, um, even though they sounded nothing like them, but just because the video sort of matched. Um, yeah. So, I mean, um, that album was fantastic, but it wasn't until the good and every one for, for some reason that 96 really tied everything together for me growing up in the suburbs, being at that right age where I could come down to Toronto and check out, you know, the all ages matinees at Lee's palace. And it sort of culminated with going to see Sloan at varsity. I think was, they, they, they paid, they played a few shows, I think, in the fall of 96 at the Masonic Temple in Toronto, north of Young and Bluer. Didn't make it to any of those shows, but it was a Varsity Arena show that I first went to and sort of, you know, changed my whole direction in life. Tried to tell Murphy, Chris Murphy in recent years, you know, how much his band means to me and uh, how it's, you know, they're, they're sort of the soundtrack of my life. And he wasn't having anything to do with that. He's a very modest man in some cases. He can embarrass him pretty easily, I, I think. But... Um, 
but yeah, that's sort of it in a nutshell. That was pretty high level, I think. I might have glossed over a few <laughs> few years here and there, but so your first show was the March '97 Varsity show in Toronto. Yeah, I think that was definitely Amazing. it. I, I cannot remember seeing Sloan um, any time before then. I was even trying to think back to maybe you know the one-off much music uh, performances, but no, I think that was it. That was definitely the show, and it, it, so I you, think it was. Yeah, go ahead. No, you were technically in the Lines You Men video before you'd actually seen them live. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was, um, yeah, that summer was just listening to one chord to another and just n- never got the chance. You know, how old would I have been at the time? I was still a teenager and sort of the idea of going to a rock show was still like a little bit above my head. Didn't really have the, you know, the braveness yet. But um, yeah, by the, by the time 97, that show rolled around, which I guess would have been, that would have been March of 97, I think. And, and yeah, and, um, by then, by that show, you know, I was, I was full fledged rocking out like every weekend we would come down from Malton on, on regional transit onto the subway. And we, you know, sometimes start our days at at Lee's palace at a matinee show, checking out rusty or somebody like that Mm -hmm. and, and, and ending it at the opera house, checking out, you know, who even knows rusty again, probably, you know, (laughs) and it comes full circle. <laughs> yep, absolutely. So how awesome, how does man, a, how great. does an eighteen year old how does an eighteen year old from from Malton just casually squeak his way into a Sloan music video? It's really funny. It was it was Friday, and and you guys had mentioned uh, Treble Charger, I think, in your your first episode, and <laughs> was, was was watching Treble Charger at the Opera House, and it was it was a Friday in in December '96, and. Um, I just remember being on the floor in between acts and, and a buddy of mine was, was talking to me and my buddy, Liam, I was telling the story to Rob. He ended up playing drums in, in not by choice, another Canadian, uh, great band. Mm-hmm. And, um, he said to me very casually, Hey, don't look now, but there's Chris Murphy. He's, he's up in the gallery. And, um, of course I looked right away. And when I looked up, he looked down at me and I, I swear we made eye contact and I, I got a bit of a wave. I thought very, very cool. Awesome. So I think we, uh, next band came on and we watched them by, by at some point I made my way up to that uh, balcony at the opera house. If you know that and sitting, sitting front row, there was Chris Murphy. And I even met Getty Lee that night. Getty Lee was there at that show. I remember, wow. and I remember getting like a, a little paper Canadian flag signed for, for a friend of mine, Clement Papa, who was a huge rush fan in like the mid nineties. Like how, how obscure is that? Um, and, and by the time I finally made my way over to Chris Murphy, um, yeah, he's talking to someone, and then at one point the conversation breaks, and he turns over and looks at me, and I swear I remember him saying, hey, there's my guy, and I'm thinking to myself, is he mistaking me for somebody else, or, or what? Anyways, it turned into a really, really nice conversation, asked me about myself, where I was from, very, very nice from the start, and then he said, you know what, this Sunday we're doing a, we're doing a video shoot at York University, if you know where that is. And, you know, you should come out and, and bring your friends. And in fact, you know what? Come out a little bit early. Come out a little bit early. And um, we'll see you there kind of thing. So me and some friends, we ended up going out a little bit early. And, and we were all lining up to go into the, the lecture hall where they filmed the video. And that's where they were taking pictures. I don't know who would have been taking pictures if they had a professional camera person at the time. Maybe you guys know a little bit more about that. But um, yeah, those were the, the 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 pictures that were put into the the intro of the lines you amend, and the, the rest was history for me. And that's that's more or less how that's more or less how it started. 
That's awesome, man. Yeah, you were telling me about the the lines you made video that you guys basically just had cameras and you were just sort of like riling off pictures and just getting the flash to go over and over again. Well, this is the thing about it, right? Like, how how awesome would it be to have all those shots now? So. I can't remember if, it, if maybe much music gave that information or if Chris told me to bring a camera, but he said, bring a, bring a flash camera with you. Cause they were trying to go for that aesthetic of, you know, um, you know, we're, we're stars coming into the huge show and all of our fans are taking pictures of us kind of thing, which was really cool to see the, 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 the entire lecture hall was dark and seeing those flashes go off was really, really cool. And to, to get back to second, secondhand views. Yeah. That camera that I'm holding, there's absolutely no film in it, but we were just doing that for for the sake of the flashes so i was standing there during that video shoot very close to the the front of the stage where the band was and i was just i held the shutter button down and i just kept on winding it and winding it and it would it would just keep on going off keep on going off i had to replace batteries at one point but <laughs> yeah but yeah no no film in those cameras and i bet you a lot of the people that you see in that video when you go back and watch it um i bet you there's not much film in many of those cameras before the digital age <laughs> I bet. So, if for people who don't know, in the hall there, uh, where they were shooting the video, when you look at it, it sort of appears as though the band are sort of in the round, kind of surrounded by an audience, sort of, you know, a la Rolling Stones early footage and that kind of thing. And so, I, as far as I recall, what they did is they filmed, you know, the audience on one side of the band, then turned the band around and made it appear as though there was people on the other side as well. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Yeah, they. Um, it was in a lecture hall for some of you, some of you listeners. Maybe you've, you've gone to York University, or you know what a lecture hall looks like. And yeah, so they, they would film with the. So when you were in the audience, yeah, for, for the most part, I'm trying to remember where I was or how it how it worked. But yeah, they 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 kept on rotating the stage to get that 360, you know, surrounded by the audience look. And all day long, it was more or less replaying that song over and over and over again to get that effect. So I don't even know how many times they would have played that that song that day. But so that was I was going to say, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Ken. That that was a nine to five for you there. That was probably a full day, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, dude, it was. It had to be like over twelve hours. We we probably got there. Maybe I like to think maybe between. 11, maybe we left Malton at 11 a.m. and maybe got there around one or two. I can't quite remember, but no, it went it went pretty late into the evening. It was eight or nine at night, maybe ten o'clock. I remember Chris coming out and you know always thanking everybody. They were they were very very thankful. And the promise was when we're done all of this, we're going to play a live show. So please stick around. And that was sort of their lure to get everybody to stay. Um, unfortunately, uh, my ride, we, we left before that show. So that's uh, one of the main, main things that I missed about that about so, that day was seeing that. So I don't know how late it ultimately went. You were in, that means you were in a Sloan music video before you'd ever really seen them live. Yeah, Which absolutely. is nuts. <laughs> Yeah, you know what, actually, when you think about it, that is true. And I'm trying to think about maybe how they warmed up the audience. So maybe right before they started filming, I, I wonder if they might have run through a song or something like that. So I could say that's actually not true. But for all intents and purposes, yeah, no, I agree with you. Let's say that's true. My favorite, my favorite bit about the Lines You Amend music video is the fact that Jay is playing Andrew's Gretsch Country Gentleman. And it's not plugged in. So is this perfect homage to like the top of the pops lip synced type deal? And it's a very new, uh, very, very um, subtle nuance uh, that you only really catch on to the, the sixth or seventh time you watch that video. But like, what, what, what's your favorite part about the Lines You Amend video? 
you know, as soon as I showed up, that's a really good catch, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of playing back the video now and, and, and watching it. Um, you know, my favorite part of the video, the, the whole day was awesome. But, like, initially, right off the start, like, I'm, I'm a huge Nirvana fan as well. And, and, and Chris is wearing those shades that, that sort of look like, you know, the, the types of shades that, that Kurt Cobain would be photographed in, right. you know, very, very, very flourished and stuff. So I thought that was very cool. Um, some of the memories that stick out was um, when they go from the, from the chorus back into verse, Chris does this sort of like hand flourish that he does the, like the that, Jagger, if you know what I'm yeah. talking about. That was, one of the yeah, first, I think so, that was one of the first appearances of the Chris Mick Jagger hand flourish, which became famous later on the Action Pack tour, right? I think it's a, I think it's as notable as the patented Murphy, you know, for, forward kick. Right. That, that's for sure. Um, I just saw it now go, go on the screen. So anyways, saw him do that about 80 times that day as well. So that sort of became like an inside joke with me and my friends. So how it ended up turning out was me and maybe there was four or five of us who came from Malton. And my one friend was like, you know what, forget about it. Let's forget about how to get there on, on the bus. And we hopped in a cab and she was so nice. She paid for the cab and we got there um and met up with my friends so there's about four or five of us who are in that video together and another really cool aspect about it is that all the regional indie rock kids from you know around the gta really showed up and that's who is in this video so many of the people i i saw in this video you know i, I would see for you know decades in some cases you know afterwards so I think it's, you know, it's, it's very biblical, if, if I may use that term, as far as my own life goes, as far as, you know, its, its origins and stuff. Yeah, that was a really important Sunday in my life and where everything went after that. And even going to see Sloan in recent years, a Phoenix show, maybe, I don't even know how many years ago that would have been now, maybe in the last five years, and seeing, like, faces I had not seen in 10 years. Like, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And everyone always gives you that familiar glimpse, you know? It's, it's pretty cool, so... So, yeah, what a crazy experience. I really wish that I could have been there for that video. I remember watching the video at home and just being like, oh, well, how cool would it be to be in that audience and see the band and stuff? They looked so great. Oh, and man, what an awesome song. So between the Lines You Men video, which you said was December 96, um, and the I and I for Navy Blues in 98, uh, you know, any, obviously you went to the Varsity Arena show in 97. Uh, any thoughts about the band before I and I? And then basically maybe just hit us with that evening, the I and I. What were you? What were you doing obviously you didn't get into the show you were outside uh, as we see at the Dang end of the it. show so yeah just some memories about that if you don't mind it was more or less going to see like our, our lives were were music you know all all the way through and it was going to see you know sloan or bands associated with sloan i really appreciate it and, and love you know my upbringing here in toronto um being the biggest city in canada you know every every act would come through here and i, and I think the canadian music scene at the, at the time was sort of centered here um but yeah it was, it was going to see shows it was it was living for those you know like what it, whatever it was going to see the flashing lights or Polito. um treble charger was a big band back then it, it was sort of interesting to see how their career went but yeah, it was more or less just just living, go, going from the suburbs, you know, and 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 just being a kid and and just being just being out there, and you know, it opened my eyes to like, yeah, maybe maybe I could play music, and I ended up forming a band years later, but it got me to to pick up a guitar and you know learn a couple chords, maybe a G and a D, and yeah, as far as 
Well, getting into the the night of the I and I for for the Navy Blues, um, yeah, the album came out that day, and I don't know why I did not get in. It was probably just being lazier. I can't remember how they gave out tickets, but w- w- one of the things that really hurt me was was being in Mississauga in Malton, and a lot of the times, you know, to get these tickets you'd have to sleep out overnight in front of much music to right. get a wristband. And, and it, it might've been one of those types of situations. So I was more than happy to, to, to stand outside because the guys were really interacting with, with the crowd that, that was out front. And yeah. And I, I, I can't remember what I was doing that day, but I, I was standing on the corner with two friends from Pickering and these were, uh, you know, other regional indie rock kids. And we were, we were all stuck outside and, and having a great time and got to see a full performance and much music had it on the speakers outside. So we, we sort of knew what was going on. I think maybe when they would go live to air, we couldn't hear what was going outside for maybe the, the, the echo effect. Um, but yeah, it culminated in, in Chris Murphy hopping into a minivan and getting driven down John Street going south. And I guess he must have gone out got out at Adelaide or Richmond and doubled up and, and, and got back to much music. But yeah, that, that was quite a thrill to have him actually come over to where we were. And so. give you give you the shout out as well on his way. Was that like was that totally ad libbed or had he seen you before? That, was, that must have been ad libbed. We we none of this was planned, and I don't. Chris maybe anticipated me being there, and he, and he he jotted down that lyric beforehand. I doubt that. No, I think that speaks to his creativity. That's and, incredible. Um, he's a free, yeah, I couldn't he's believe a freestyle it. master. He's a freestyle master, and I don't even think that I heard him say that at the time. I, I, I think it must have been when I got home and maybe watched the replay in the middle of the night, much music at the time. I think they did three eight-hour pl- programming blocks, and I caught it on the replay right. maybe one or two in the morning. And that's probably when I heard that shout-out. And I was like, holy smokes, man. How effing cool is that? I'm happy I didn't get in. Just for the sake of that alone, that, that was quite thrilling. The one thing, the one thing that I always think about when I look at that sequence uh, from the Intimate and Interactive in '98 is that this could have been a really bad ending to the career of Sloan if Chris just hopped in that car and got abducted and never came back. Like that just would have been, you know, it would have made a really I've great got- murder mystery. But <laughs> That's a- murder records, murder mystery that goes hand in hand. Yep. Um, <laughs> did, uh, I've got this memory of him hopping into that vehicle and giving a shout out to big pun or something like that. Do you guys know what I'm talking about at all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he hops yeah. in a van and he's like, Hey boys, just drive me down the street or whatever. You got anything you want to say on national TV? And the guy's just like big, you know, you know, you send it out to big pun, got a new album. And Chris just goes big pun in stores now or something like that. And that's the funny thing that you mentioned. I mean, I don't know how far down John street he went, but he's, he's, he's MIA there on, on national TV for, I don't know, like at least six, 60 seconds the guys in the room are playing the outro to underwhelmed and kind of just looking at each other and then murph comes running back in you know (laughs) (laughs) didn't didn't one of the boys in an interview quote on that who and and they said that like yeah we we were on tv we didn't know what to do like have have they spoken to that before we'll have to dig that out you have to dig that up. That's a good question. I don't know. But I, it, it, now that you mentioned it, it is funny. You know, the footage that I would have loved to have seen was Murph huffing and puffing up the street, <laughs> up John Street. You know, and he, I know he plays hockey and he's, he runs and stuff and he bikes. So he's a cyclist. So I'm sure he was in fine form then and still so today. But uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting visual. Just imagine Chris with a much music microphone <laughs> jumping out of a van and like huffing and puffing up John Street to get back to the live to air show that he, that's, you know, going out across the nation at the moment. 
someone should have got those guys on camera of the the vehicle that he hopped into i would have loved to know what they thought what the hell was going on if anybody out there knows the guys in the van who are the big pun fans <laughs> from 98 if you're listening, if if you're listening, listening get in touch we want to talk to you <laughs> Oh man. And that was the first time I had heard of Big Pun. I didn't even know who Big Pun was. That was before Big Pun was a household name, I think. Yeah, I think Chris knew who Big Pun was because he's pretty tuned into the, the rap scene. But uh an eclectic uh, dude. <laughs> so you're at the I and I and then you mentioned when we were hanging out what you did after the I and I. Yeah, so that was it. So my time was pressed that day, as I was saying, and I hauled ass straight to HMV, um, their flagship store, their flagship Canadian store on Young Street by the Eaton Center, and I, and I got um, got a fresh copy of, of Navy Blues. And yeah, that was yeah, that was that was awesome. That was that was a great day. Do you remember at HMV? Because I remember when I bought my copy, they also had the chart magazine available on the same rack. Did you yeah. pick up any of the copies? The four covers, yeah. I think I've got all four of those. Oh, dude. So has it? <laughs> Go ahead. No, I love it. I got I got Andrew. I don't know what did, which cover did you get, Ken? I had Andrew and Jay, and I, I'm thinking I must have had Patrick as well because I had three of the four. But I can't remember if I had right. so I I I'd acquired Andrew and Jay at HMV in the morning of whatever that was May twenty sixth, uh, when I picked up when I picked up my my CD, and uh, at a later point in time I acquired one of the other two, uh, but they're all gone now unfortunately. Damn it! I remember in '99 when they were doing the uh, Much East special on Between the Bridges, uh, they had talked about the the four covers, and Murph had some great anecdote about how they made. A, I guess obviously they only made a finite amount of covers, but that they really made it a limited amount because they didn't want in the back of chart magazine in future issues, you know, to say like you know Jay sold out, Patrick sold out, Andrew sold out, and still available, Chris, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I awesome. think they, I think they were having I think they were having an unofficial competition. I, I do remember seeing Murph in. In, in uh, an interview or two, uh, reference who was leading the, the the sales as far as the covers went. Yeah, because I remember on the news at, at HMV, uh, and also I remember seeing it at the newsstand too. Like they had all four; like it, they were available everywhere. So, yeah. very so why cool. did you guys? So how come? So you only got three out of four, and then only two. You only got two, Rob. Was was uh, that because those were your favorites, or the other ones were sold out? No, I, I'm the Charlie Bucket of Chart, Chart Magazine. I only got one. I only got one. So I I got Andrew, and I think probably because at the time I maybe felt a kinship to him as a drummer, and that first show that I saw in September '96, like he. He was the sort of standout for me at the show. Like I said, in one of the, in the first episodes, you know, just seeing him bent in half at the drums, just like going crazy. And even now, like looking back at footage from 96, 97, uh, their show, I mean, they're playing the songs on one chord, but they're such a punk band live. Like they're just so, they have like a harshness to them, you yeah. know, that I think yeah. in right. later years would kind of get rounded off and they would be sort of maybe more in line with just sort of playing the, the songs as you would expect to hear it from a record or whatever. And they've, they've got a, like a sheen and a polish to them now. But at the time they were, you know, still, you know, mid twenties, scrappy guys blowing yeah. through these sort of Beatlesque, Rolling Stones, Kinks-esque songs, uh, with just sort of like an edge to them, you know? Um, very yeah, cool. Sure. So yeah, I bought, I bought the Andrew cover just cause I felt the kinship to him and I still have it. Obviously. I remember getting to the store. It was the HMV at Maryville mall in Ottawa. And, um, there wasn't, I, I, there wasn't Google or anything back then. So I didn't know what the opening time, what the opening hours were. And I must've been there at eight 
and I think it opened at nine. And I was expecting this big, huge lineup because I think I'd seen the night before on much the kids like already lining up outside of the flagship HMV in, Tor- in Toronto to get their to get their copy of the record. And I know I didn't know that they were doing that because they also wanted the wristband for the intimate and interactive. I thought they were just lining uh, up because the record was going to sell out within the first ten minutes. So I'm like, I'm you know. Going in blazes, running to the to the to the front door of the HMV at the Maryville Mall, and there's it's just like me and the Night Watchman. It's like Sam Crenshaw and myself, and uh, and I, I was Today's just sitting there. Shout out. Exactly, I, yeah. I was I was just sitting there for an hour, and of course I was the first one there. I think I was probably the only one there too. It was a Tuesday or something. I forget what it. it was. If I could veer off again for a quick sec, sorry guys, to a little anecdote on my part, same situation. Uh, it's like early 2000, they're on the Between the Bridges tour. It's at Lulu's in Kitchener, which was this big bar. Like they had like a, they had like the world's biggest bar. Like it was some, you know, history, like a world record or something. And it was pretty, it was a dive, but the place was enormous. And so the band were booked in there for the Between the Bridges tour. I showed up at noon because I'm like, I'm going to be at the front of the line. Okay. And I'm going to run in and we'll get to this next question in a second. I wanted to be stage Chris. Cause then you can kind of see everybody, you know, and, and stage Chris is right in the middle. And, uh, and I think Matthew Goodband or something were opening for them, which was, you know, cool, I guess at the time to see them. Um, <clears throat> before he sort of developed into sounding like and looking like Daniel Johnston. But anyway, um, at the, so I, I show up at noon. Yeah, buddy. Oh, here's Jesse. It's okay. Here, we'll edit that. My son just ran up to me and gave me some play Don't edit that at all. Leave that there. Okay, Leave so it in. I, 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 I show up at noon and... And I'm thinking there's going to be like a bunch of people there and we're going to hang out and talk Sloan and sing Sloan and then and then nobody shows up all day except for the band who pull up in a van about like three in the afternoon for sound check. They're in there. They're checking da da da. I remember at one point, Chris kind of came to the front door and I'm still the only person outside. It's freezing. It's January in Ontario, Canada. My feet were frozen like blocks of ice and he comes out and he just goes, Hey man, uh, what are you doing here? You know, like, I was like, I'm, well, I want to be first in line. And he's like, well, and he was really nice and everything. But, uh, so I, so people started to kind of show up like, you know, about an hour or so before door time. I wish I'd known about that ahead of time, but you know what? Hey, it's dedication. I wanted to be at the front. And I remember running into the venue and I couldn't even feel my feet. I could have twisted my ankle and I wouldn't even know. <laughs> but I, I ran down the stairs to get to the, to the stage. Cause the, cause the floor at Lulu's has kind of, kind of dipped out, got up to the front and I watched the whole show front row. Amazing. Anyway, so there you go. And I was uh, I was an early bird as well. You know what? I was at that show. Were you at Lulu's, man? Awesome. I was at that Lulu show. So so was was this? I didn't mean to interrupt. If there was a question on the way, but um, yeah, was that the only time that they would have played it? How many times did they play at Lulu's? Because I, I want to make sure I was actually at that show. Um, if they played more than once, I'd be surprised. I don't okay. recall and, seeing and it was a second for, one. So definitely for between the bridges, that was the only time they played Lulu's. So I can I can clarify the Lulu's show was February 12, 2000 for anybody interested. Um hmm. and yeah, it, it Saturday, looks like right? uh yeah, it, it looks like it was a Saturday. And so for the whole it looks like the whole show my friend was basically between the bridges they played the whole album it looks like. Yeah. They, they, they were doing they, the top to bottom at that point I think, right? Yeah, and it looks like they were maybe even doing it like in the original order. Side two is from looking side at the one. list here. Yeah. yeah. So you would have They've been got a little bit of been, you would have been hightailing it across the province alongside Sloan because you were at the February twentieth show that I was at in Ottawa. 
That's right. I think I've made, made it known on the show that, yeah, 2000 was when I sort of like branched out in the world uh, and uh, was kind of following the band around on tour a little bit. But hey, guys, we have a guest this week. Like I was saying, uh, the uh, the list from that show, by the way, you guys, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> the set list was all between the bridges. They peppered in a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, but one chord to another. I see there with everything you've done wrong. But anyway, whatever. So let's get back to it, my friend, Ron. Uh, so you are at the I and I. And then the next time we see you on TV is the She Says It, She Means music video. Uh, I, yes. I think that's correct. So maybe just walk us through a little bit. I, I want to hear the story about the blue suit. And if you don't mind, just kind of regaling us with memories of how you were, how you found out about the video shoot uh, and kind of what the day was like and then sort of like seeing the finished product. I would love to. Um yeah, and like I'll, I'll to reiterate maybe on lines you meant for a second. A- after that video shoot day, you know, going home every day after school and checking out the wedge to see if it would premiere on there was such a thrill. And we did that every day for two weeks, and I think it finally came out on a Friday. And there we are at the start. I didn't. E- I saw my friend in the still shot of that video, and I didn't even notice myself until later on when my friend was like, "No, you were in it too." And I went back, and like there we all are in one of those still shots together. But to get to she says what she means, it came together really quickly. And I think that was a broad call out to Sloan fans. I went to Value Village and I was talking to somebody there and I went with somebody just to, to grab some stuff. And I, I grabbed this blue suit that I thought might be might be cool for something in case something formal came up, not knowing that the next day would be a Sloan video shoot. And somebody reached out to me and said, dude, did you hear Sloan? They're, they're doing a video shoot tomorrow, some soundstage in Toronto. And they might have actually, I don't know if they heard it on Much Music or if it would have been Edge 102.1 FM in Toronto. And yeah, it was more or less an early call. I remember going to sleep pretty early that night because it was an early call the following day. And it was more or less, we showed up to this soundstage not knowing if we had the right place. And must have must have seen sloan there or other uh you know like-minded fans and it was more or less go into this dark sound studio and and stand around all day and they they moved us around we shots at the start of the video other than the band sitting around the table again lecture two um it it goes into the the song with fans standing around as the the band rushes in to where the stage location is so all of those shots they would just have us stand around and and film and just watch them more or less play on stage with those uh, big fire torches that they had. So that's pretty much how it all came together. It was pretty quick. So really, um, yeah, it was, yeah, I bought the suit the day before and that was pretty much it and didn't have a use for it until I found out about um, the video shoot and thought this would be great. This, this might it was be meant to be. It was, yeah, it was Providence. <laughs> I don't know, but, but I but I have a feeling that they asked people to to maybe dress up or something like that. I think there was a reason why I was inspired to wear the suit and thought that this would fit. So it was either like we want people to wear blue suits, or it was we want people to wear something. And I thought it would be cool to wear something different than what they expected people to wear, but it seemed to work well together. And another long day I mean, of uh, shooting. It does. It does offer the perfect counterpoint to Chris Murphy's red suit, you know. And if if you if you still fit into your blue suit, and if Chris allegedly still fits into parts of his red suit, then there would have to be a reunion at some point in time on video. I would. 
I would love to see that. I never even actually made that connection, but that is brilliant, actually. The red <laughs> and the blue. So I guess he would have been the devil. I don't know what he was symbolizing. I've never actually watched that the movie, or I might have watched it a long time ago, the, the movie that that video was based on. Yeah, Privilege, yeah, 1967. Privilege. Yeah. That's right. So and I noticed... When you look at when you look at privilege, there uh, you know it, it's it's sort of like '60s Britain and stuff. So, you know, perhaps they were going for a, a more formal look, just sort of with the audience to kind of line up in that regard. Um, who knows? <laughs> yeah, right. I was just going to say, I guess I guess we were spo- supposed to fill. I guess us in the crowd were supposed to be the brainwashed youth. Yes. Very yep. good. <laughs> and speaking of brainwashed youth, I was kind of shocked because when you watch the finished product, it looks like there's just a sea of people. But you were saying that there actually wasn't that many people. It was just a sort of small group. And they and, and like the lens you mentioned, they kind of moved the camera around and kind of made it look like there was a big group, bigger group of people there. Yeah, exactly. Like how many people would have been there? I'd like to say maybe fifty, but maybe I'm way off on that. But yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a huge it was a huge studio. I don't know if anybody if you guys are familiar with Arrow Hall in Toronto. Of course. Yeah. Like a yeah, big, so, uh, like airplane hangar. Yeah. So it, it was something like that. And, and they really, they really capitalized on the, the darkness of the place because yeah, there was only like maybe how many rows do you think of people uh, that, that one wide shot of the crowd while Chris is on stage, um, there might've been only four or five rows of us. Cause they have sort of flags and torches sort of staggered to make it look like it's sort of going further back. Yeah, um, that's right. So here's how I imagine it. Okay. I imagine, you know, you're in catering, Okay. And they're kind of pattering you up and Murph walks in the room and you turn to him and you say, I'm ready for my close up, Mr. Murph. <laughs> and he says, let's do this. So you can correct me if the, if I've got historically inaccurate, but you're behind a barricade. Okay. Yes. We're about to go into the bridge of the song. The song's going to, you know, kick into high gear. Chris is going to sing. I don't, maybe I don't say in touch much. Um, so yeah, talk about that if you don't mind. Yeah. So this was the shot that was lined up and, and, and Chris always liked to give me the business about how I like to try to get in front of the camera. And he was giving it to me as far back as the lines you amend video shoot. So I think he made one of those comments and I thought, man, I got, I got to prove myself. So they sort of told the crowd what the idea of the next shot was going to be. We need people to rush the stage, push down the barriers and rush the stage. And I thought to myself, okay, you know what? I think nobody else is probably going to jump. So let's, Let's jump and see if we can maybe make it into another video. Um, so I yeah, think you, it looks like you kicked down the barricade. Am I wrong? Yeah, I, th- I think we were. I think we were right at the front there. I'll, I'll have to go back and look after after today. But yeah, I think we were pretty much front row there at the, the barricade. And I think I had a hand in forcing that barricade to the ground, and then we ran forward. I gave a nice little jump, which to me at the time, I felt like I jumped four feet in the air, you know, but um, maybe on video, it looks a little bit, a little bit shorter. And yeah, just sort of like ran forward. The shot probably took, you know, less than a minute altogether. And that was it. Cut. They went back and, and watched the playback. And, and Chris Murphy came, came to me shortly afterwards and said, you know, said, great shot great shot was very very happy that i was trying to hog the camera that day he seemed to be happy about it he maybe felt a kinship with you because he likes the hot dog and grandstand as well well good good i i would i would only take that as a compliment to be compared to mr chris murphy um but yeah but i mean i didn't even see that shot until the video came out and i think the first time i saw that video was on a sunday and it it was probably much east and they were given a much east interview Mm. 
awesome man yeah how, how cool is that like i mean i was i always anticipated a new you know sloan video like especially we've talked on the show about you know seeing the money city maniacs video for the first time and just like losing my mind but i mean imagine seeing yeah. the video and you're in it too like ugh, insane i couldn't i couldn't even believe it and and i, I mean the, the, the way that social media goes now and the nature of reality and the way that people consume things um yeah, it, it was remarkable the amount of people that I, that would come up to me and, and recognize me from even that still shot and the lines you amend. Like, wow. extraordinary, extraordinary. Wow. Like, I, I never would have ever imagined. So, let's get into that, if you don't mind. So, I mean, like, for me, like, as a Sloan fan and kind of like, you know... I- you kind of get to know the different people, especially at least in Ontario, where I've seen the the, the majority of the Sloan shows for myself. You kind of there's a community at the front of the stage. You know, there's like there's a handful of people. I would say actually way more than a handful, but there's a group. And even if you don't know their name, you've seen their face before. You all know the lyrics and stuff. And and that's sort of been a tradition for me for the past 25 years. And when I and, and when Ken and I were talking about the show, you know, the most visual, you know, Sloan fan that we could imagine was you, you know? So that the question kind of is, is begged, you know, like talking about sort of the minor celebrity of being the guy from the Sloan videos and stuff, you know, like, so other than Sloan shows, did you, do you recall ever being just like recognized on the street or something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, after the she, she says what she means video, um, yeah, absolutely. Pe- people would recognize me quite often, and then it, people came up with the moniker "Blue Suit Ron." And I used to go onto the, I used to go onto those Sloan message boards that you've re- mentioned in recent episodes as well, as well, especially uh, Telecontar's uh, Nick's right, message board, the official and, Sloan message board. <laughs> yeah, the official. So I, I do I do remember his claim just just off to the side for a second. I do remember him claiming that because I think he he asked the Sloan dudes if he could call it that. I don't know if you guys got into that in, in later episodes or ever got to the bottom. They linked to the official Sloan message board from their website as well. So there was That's there right. was a little bit of there was cooperation. That's right. Like I was astonished because I mean I I I like to think I got on that that site maybe in the late nineties, but but maybe not. Maybe ninety nine, two thousand. Mm. And it was already a quite a robust community online. Oh, yeah. Couldn't believe it. And then I, I caught reference to um I don't know if somebody sent me a link and somebody was trying to identify who I was and it was, you know, referencing the blue suit. And I think once, once I became somewhat active on those communities, I started getting called uh, blue suit Ron um, on those communities. I called myself Malton rock city. And I think it was an homage to Chris Murphy and his love of kiss mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, Detroit rock city being a movie around that time. Maybe it came out in 99. I can't remember. It, it sure did come out in 99. Yeah. My uncle's in there. He's the stunt man yeah. for the janitor who takes a tumble down no stairs. Kidding. Anyway, um, no kidding. <laughs> they shot that in Hamilton. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> anyway, what was I going to say? Uh, you mentioned during the season, she says she means video, pumping your fists in the air. And so yes. speaking of pumping your fists in the air in Sloan videos, um, you know, we could talk about ro- what rock and roll means to you, but <laughs> I would love to just chat quickly, if you don't mind, about the Feels Good Do It video. For me, you know, I know within the band, maybe not one of their favorite songs or whatever. For me, it's like a classic. I remember seeing Absolutely. it, you know, live in, you know, summer 2001. I think they opened for Oasis at the Molson Amphitheater here in Toronto and they ended the show with it and the song hadn't even been out yet and the place went nuts uh, it's an epic song it's an incredible video uh, Noble Jones was the director and so you were there my friend so yeah walk us through it man give us the bl- the Blue Suit Ron recap 
Absolutely. That was awesome. That was that was a great day. I had just gotten back from Ireland. I had just started school. That, so that was September. That video shoot, I think, was September of 2001. Or would it have been... That's when the album came out, so it perhaps might have been within the month previous. But yeah, that's wonder, the, that's the period. It was August. I'm, I'm just trying to think exactly. I, I'm, I'm sure that that information's online. Anyways, to make a long story short, I just gotten back from Ireland, caught so many great bands in Ireland and England. Went to a few festivals out there, so riding riding particularly high on that vibe. Um, so yeah, I got back and actually got a call from Chris Murphy. He left a, a message on my answering machine. I might I might still have it. Oh, and. It, it was it was an invitation to come down. Like we're filming, we're filming a video, and and please come down. So gave the address, and it was another soundstage. Rob provided me with its its location in recent weeks down by the lakeshore, and it was cool because I was taking the, the the dreaded regional transit right downtown, as I always did, Mississauga Transit. Shoutouts to Route Number Eleven, and on, w- while there, while, while on the bus, two two buddies of mine, very close friends of mine from Malton, saw them on on the bus, and I'm sure they were just going downtown for some bullshit reason, and told them what I was doing, and of course they were they signed on to come with me. They made it into the video as well, but it was more or less getting a call from Chris saying, "Come down, we're doing a video shoot," and as soon as we got down there. The lineup of fans was huge, mm. and we we went into the back area, which which was kind of cool. And my memory at the time was, you know, hearing people. Uh, I think I heard my name from from the crowd, which which was which was very interesting. I think people may or may not have recognized me unless they were speaking about some other person named Ron. And we ended up going into the back. So pretty much where those people were, th- those were the people that they were using as extras for the for the crowd shot, all the wide shots and the shots yeah. that they would slow down. And a bunch of us went into the back and that's where they were filming all of the close-up shots and the spoken spots. And that's, that's where I got filmed as well as various friends of mine. I know one, two, three, four people personally. And then Chris's future wife's also in that video, standing side by side with another legendary indie rocker whose name escapes me right now. Um, the girl, there was a horse back there, as you've seen in the video. Was Danko Jones in that? Danko Jones was there. Another Toronto performer named Cadence Weapon. Uh, Rob Benvy was in yeah. there. Like it was, it was a really, really cool day. Um, Who's who of the Toronto music scene yeah. at that point in time, wasn't it? It, it it pretty pretty much was and you know i'm going to these things like all the time and like i i always feel like i'm out of place and this goes to a story i think rob told in a previous episode when you find yourself just standing there and you've got like members of thrush hermit you've got you know pony deluxe i think they were even a band at the time but you got sloan right there and you're like just standing there like like what do i say how, how do i not sound stupid do i say anything at all and then they tell you that, um, you know, come stand over here and you're standing on this stage with all these lights around you. And they, they want you to tell you what rock and roll means to them. And I wish I had more time to prepare because I would have done or said something way cooler than I did. So the answers I gave in that video were more or less off the cuff. And I think I was trying to go for the most cliche answers I could give mm-hmm. as far as what rock and roll means 
<laughs> that, that was pretty much it. So I look back at that video, and it's funny that you say that, you know, it might not be one of Sloan's favorite songs. I love the song personally, and to even be associated with it is fantastic, and it really defines that time in my life as well. But when I go back and look at the video, I, I might feel similar things to, to Sloan even. I think I, I think my performance could have been much better. I envisioned, <laughs> I, I envisioned like, you know, what, what rock and roll means to me. And I wanted to like rip open my shirt and like have rock and roll written across my chest. And, you know, I, I was envisioning that like I would have said something along the lines of, you know, rock and roll is that thing you just, you just, I could just, you just can't get it off your chest and ripping open my shirt and having rock and roll there and saying like, oh, see what I mean? I thought that would have been cool. Well, we'll but have to do what? like a we'll have to do a revisionist edit or something like that, like oh uh, online God, only. <laughs> you, see, you, see, you see these these guys who you know relive in old glories, and you see them twenty or thirty years, like oh, like uh, Bill and Ted's uh, most recent movie. Yeah. Yeah, they, look, they look they look good. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's like reliving old glories. It'd be funny to do if I get, I would gain fifty pounds for it, and then really try to make myself look disheveled, so it would look like <laughs> the odd chick. Yeah, the odd, the odd chick guys, and I'm all greasy looking. Right I think now. the oh demand, the demand for a shot-for-shot shot remake of the Feels Good video is uh, in order for sure. We got to get a petition going. If the boys are up for it, I'd love to take part. Now you mentioned your shirt just then. It may in the video. Are you wearing a shirt that says California? I'm wearing a shirt that says California. And so was that yours? That was mine, actually. I found that in the basement of my house. Me and my mom had moved into a, a townhouse together in Malton. We'd moved in together. We were already living together, but we moved. And, together um, you moved, yeah. <laughs> together we moved. Thank you. That sounds way less creepy. And I found that in the basement. It's one of my mom's old shirts. I, I pulled that out as well as another jacket that I would wear. I still wear it to this day. And yeah, that, that was one of my mom's shirts. And I don't remember her ever going to California, but every, every time that somebody would go on vacation, she would always ask them to bring a shirt back for her. So I imagine that this awesome. was a souvenir that somebody brought back for her. In my crazy mind, seeing the video, I'm thinking like, oh, you're, you're talking about losing California. Like it's like a reference or something. I, I'm trying to think of what my mindset would be at the time. I, I guess for the story, it would probably, I, I should say, yes, it was definitely based <laughs> on that. And it was a reference to the previous album. So maybe I should go with that, right? But no, I think it was I think it was just total totally coincidence. Or you know what? A lot could be said for fate, right? So maybe maybe something sure. or someone in some other dimension planted that in my basement. Because it looks like a shirt that like you would see Chris or Patrick wearing at a show. Like I, I almost feel like Chris probably has the same shirt, per perhaps. But um, if he does, it's just only be because he was inspired by me. No, I'm just joking. It, it, the inspiration <laughs> goes both ways. He does have he does have a Lake Placid Olympics T-shirt from 1980. That yellow one with the Lake Placid Olympics logo on it, which I also had when I was three years old. So in a slightly smaller size, about you know maybe two sizes down. Um, no kidding. So, so the, it's the same one. It's uh, I'm, it's not the exact same one, but it's the same from the same line. Um, and you know, you do Ron in, in in your in your in your personal statement in the video, you do say that rock and roll is about your pants and your shirt as well, right? So, I mean, right. there 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 it is. There's the connection. Or about the suit jacket, you know, maybe a bit of a, you know, Robin's egg blue shade to it. No, you, you said it. I was, I was very proud of the pants I was wearing that day. I think they were pretty tight and I think they might've been, I used to get my pants at the time at, um, at the gap and the, the, the men's pants, they just didn't have this, the, the proper fit. So I was always buying the women's pants. So I, I was, I was probably pretty passionate about that statement, but I think that might've been something off the top of my head as well. But I guess I was what I was trying to say. I've never tried to 
you know, dissect my, my own performances ever. But I guess I, I, what I might've been trying to say was it's all about the way you look, you know, rock, rock is cool. Looking cool, I guess is part of it. Awesome, man. So you mentioned some buddies. You saw them on the, the bus coming down. The, the two buddies, as I recall, are the characters in the video where there's the one guy in the foreground sort of pushing down through a forced perspective, the guy in the background. That's correct. Yeah. So that was, uh, th- those guys, uh, n- were known around Malton as the Pauls, two of my friends. So I was the oldest one out of, out of the trio and, and the only one not named Paul. So it was, it was me, uh, the first Paul who called himself Paul number three, he was, he, he was middle aged. And then Paul number one, cause Paul number one was so cool that he was Paul number one and Paul number two. So that's why Paul number three was Paul number three. Anyways. Yeah. I saw them on the bus and, and they came down. So I knew Paul from high school, but my first year out of high school was Paul number one's first year in. So it was sort of this connection by virtue of, of that. And we ended up playing in a band together and we were playing in a band at, a t- at the time called sleeve movement. And I just happened to bump into them on the bus, like I was saying, and they had nothing better to do than to go. Imagine that nothing better to do than to, to go to a, a Sloan video shoot. So they were very happy to come down. And the one Paul, Paul number one with the glasses, he's actually wearing his school uniform. Now that I remember it. So he had come from some sort of orientation the week before school started, but I think all summer long, he might've been wearing his, his school uniform. We went to a Catholic school called Ascension of our Lord in, in Malton. And he was, he's in the video wearing his school uniform with Paul, who's pushing him down, which might be symbolism for their relationship. I don't know, actually. Guys about <laughs> and, that. and speaking of Ascension, Ron, Blue Suit Ron ascends September, 2001, uh, he's got a mic. He got it at a dollar store. He's on TV. He's asking a question. He's having his socks, socks rocked off. You mentioned, I remember when we hung out too, that um, and not a lot of people might know this, but singer-songwriter Bashu Boulette is actually in the Feels Good Do It video, and she's standing next to you at the uh, Sloan Live in Much in 2001. What a great day. I'm, I'm so happy we freeze-framed that video to, to discover that, but man, there's so many Hall of Famers in that, in that video. Jeez, man. Like that crowd <laughs> shot. All you got to do is is it's yeah. You see Laura, Laura Q and Kira and Sean yeah, Hatton, right? Like a, it's a murderer's row of like Sloan super fans. Uh, yeah, amazing. So 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 September two thousand one. My story is that I was standing in line and somebody in line said, hey, if you ask a question, you get to stand at the front. So I just made up a stupid question uh, right off the top of my head. But you were saying you went into the show and they were kind of, and they maybe recognized you and sort of like solicited you to, t- to ask a question. Yeah. So like, I mean, I, I'm really having trouble recollecting, but my recollection is, is that I was totally taken off guard about what happened that night. It was, it was so weird. Um <sighs> Whether or not I was solicited to ask a question, I, I've thought about that, but but definitely, yeah, g- going back and watching that footage with you, Rob, a couple weeks ago, like I, if, if you had asked me before watching that, I don't even know if I could have remembered what my question was, but asked them the same question that they posed to all of us in the video for If It Feels Good, Do It, what rock and roll means to them. So yeah, there was that one point where they threw to the Intimate Interactive from 98 and that clip of Chris hopping into that vehicle, into that, mm-hmm. into that minivan, and then and Rick 
calling me out. Or oh, no, Chris, 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 yeah, Chris calls you called out. me yeah. out. Yeah, and then and then Rick somehow I had never spoken to Rick before, but knew what my name was, and he was like, "Yeah, like yeah, that's Ron." I think he might have said, and then yeah, Chris was very very surprised and like, "What? This guy's got a mic?" Like, what the hell? Because <laughs> I think like, probably on, in the next segment break. you were going to ask a question or something. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I I guess that's why. But like, it almost felt like that whole thing was set up. I was standing there watching the playback, and I I was there with a friend from college, and. Um, you know, it was sort of a novice with, with Sloan, but was very excited to go see them that night. And actually, that was the way that I was able to get in. They they got the tickets. I'm pretty sure it was my buddy Elijah Drown that I went with. And I was sort of pointing things out as far as Sloan's history as things went on and the old clips that they were showing. And then when they showed that, I'm like, hey, Elijah, that's me, actually. That was from the time before that they performed here. And then, and then yeah, Chris pointed me out and... Yeah, that was that was pretty much it. And then getting get asked that question afterwards. Yeah, that was quite a thrilling night. That was that was probably one of the most satisfying nights of my life. I definitely have to uh, admit that I, as another as a fellow audience member, I was super jealous. You know, you were super smooth on the mic. You had awesome big sideburns. Uh, you <laughs> you you clearly heard you clearly heard Rick the Temp's intro, which was like it's Devil's Night and the four headed beast. It's slow, and he's like prepared. He and he just sort of off the cuff said something said some stupid line about get ready to have your socks rocked off which you then worked into your question where you're holding your sock in your hand man we were you know always always trying to look for that angle back then what 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 gets you in where do you get that wedge that's um that's actually pretty cool i gotta go back and watch that as well i wonder if that was what my inspiration for that was. I think me saying that my, you know, rocking my socks off was maybe a throwback to what I wish I had said in the, um, if it feels good, do it video by somehow incorporating my, my clothing into some, something Sloan oriented. But yeah, I, I did hold up my sock at, at one point and, and, and Rob <laughs> and uh, Rob and uh, Rick uh, referenced that. Hey man, yeah, you sounded great as well, man. I've gone back and watched that more than a few times since we watched that a couple weeks ago. So give me a break. Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Legendary night, man. And we're forever linked in time. I know. I love it. I'm I'm honored to be in there with you and the Sloan guys. And we'll and we'll go through the whole debacle of my question at a future episode. We'll do a whole episode <laughs> on me being embarrassed on TV. That warrants its own its own episode. We'll take that bit apart for an hour and a half. Word by word, syllable by syllable. No, I'm it's going to be like the Zapruder footage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when you think about Sloan, is do you have a favorite album, and if so, why? I like Between the Bridges. I don't know what it is about that album, and maybe that time in my life. I think they're all tied for first, but there's just something about the feel of that album. Maybe, maybe because it's a concept album, you know. Mm. But a memory that really stands out and this goes back to the Lulu show was, was just driving, you know, in the darkness, leaving Toronto, going out to Lulu's and Lulu's is in, it's, it's in, it's in Kitchener Waterloo, right? Is that where yeah, it is? So it's, yeah, you're pulling in. It's right as you get in, um, like you're just passing Cambridge, and you just get off the highway. It's right there. It's right off. The it's highway. sort of off. It's sort of like off the beaten track, too, right? Yeah, like there's there's, there's not a too place, much around it. No, at the time there was a place across the uh, the street, and for everybody who's not from Kitchener, nobody's going to care. But um, they, uh, yeah, at the time, right across the street was a place called Sports World, which was sort of like a popular, you know, destination, like you know, uh, like the old Hyde House in Acton or something. And, uh, and, and also see, so yeah, there was also a place t- attached to it called Moose Winooski's, which was kind of popular. So that's right across the street. 
but yeah, Lulu's was there, man. And it, it had been there for decades, as I recall. Like, I mean, the, you know, it was like an Honest Ed's looking kind of building, like really Very big, cool. really yeah. long. I remember going to see my friends drag me to see like Counting Crows there or something one time. No and they had like a whole, like, while the show was going on, they had like a singles night. And so like, if you had like a red balloon, that means you were like hot and heavy and looking to hook up. And if you had a white balloon, that means you, know, you, you were oh, like forming a virgin. And, you know, so they were, they kind of had like those theme nights and stuff. And I don't recall that being the case at the Sloan show, but they definitely had a lot going on there. It was a great venue. And I mean, it was a nice big room. Like it was a huge room. Um, so it was great to see them there i definitely um, knew we had arrived when we got there that's for sure <laughs> yeah huge place and uh it was it was a, an awesome show so 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 between the bridges yeah i mean you know you're not going to get any argument from us on that one yeah um, well i mean I, I like i remember driving in the darkness on the way there and and just having between the bridges on just listening and like, for some reason it was an album that we would just do back to front over and over and over again and like like hearing like waiting for slow songs or something like really stands out for me being in the darkness on the way to lulu's to see sloan not really you know realizing that we're gonna go see sloan and stuff and the like the the journey i i don't know it's it's an hour or two from toronto to get to lulu's and and just hearing like those songs are just they go so well together i don't know what it is but that that one just yeah i think between the bridges it's it's that or navy blues like i mean what what can i say it's 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 so hard but maybe between the bridges just by an inch yeah man absolutely and when we were hanging out you were talking about you know uh, just and this is the crazy thing to me like i mean i remember in the in the mid 90s this is going to be 96 97 when i sort of discovered sloan and discovered the murder catalog i remember writing fan letters to them i never got a response but um joel plaskett from thrush hermit did respond to me when i wrote to thrush hermit uh because i had gone to a house show that they played um in uh, October 31st, 97 on Halloween and me and my buddies who were, I was in a band with at the time called crash. And we just went to the show just to see thrush hermit and plum tree, who was the opener didn't show up for whatever reason. I think it was like an off day. And I think maybe they were staying at the house. So to, as a thank you for staying there, they played a show there and it was Halloween. And uh, my band opened for them because basically we were there and I just said, Hey, I said to Joel or Ian or somebody, I said, Hey, like, do you mind if we just like open for you guys? Like there's no other band here. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. So we got to open for them, which was crazy. And then after the fact, um, uh, wow. I, 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 they, they, they were winding down the hermit set and this is when they were playing a lot of like Clayton Park stuff before the album came out like a year and a half before it came out and so so people were like yelling at requests and somebody goes ACDC and I think Ben V or somebody started playing the riff to Back in Black and Joel goes I can't sing it and I fucking jumped up and I go I can sing it and so I jumped up and in front of this like <laughs> living room of people with Thrush Hermit I sang Back in Black and uh, I wrote to Joel and I signed it, the back and black guy. And I think that's how he knows me to this day. No way. Um, but uh, I never got a letter back from Joel, but you did get a letter or letters back from Murph. And just, you know, talk about that, you know, the relationship there. I know that you mentioned he's left you like birthday messages before. Like this just blows my mind. He's a great dude. Back then we would always write to to bands to see what we would get back sonic onion was one i remember i remember calling sub pops 800 number and saying like you know do you guys sell stickers and they sold me a whole bunch i love sub pops logo and uh, being a nirvana fan of course i thought it would be cool to put that on my guitar and they, they sent me you know a whole load of stickers so back then we just tried to reach out to bands you know email wasn't quite a thing yet and we were always pretty successful. So right into Murder Records, I think we wrote two Murder Records, or maybe it was to Sloan, and, and Chris wrote back. And I remember the, the 
I remember the letter that I sent him saying, you know, words to the effect of, you know, next time you're in Toronto or if you ever hear a plane, you know, you, you got a place to crash, please feel free to, to crash at my place anytime. So lo and behold, I don't know how much time had passed between the, the letter I sent and the reply I got. And so this is the letter that he actually, he sent me back and it's on the back of a Richard Davies postcard who I guess was on Murder Records. P.O. Box 2372, Halifax Central. Very cool. So his letter is raw, and I don't think the end... Oh, yeah, so I sent him a letter asking, because, I mean, this was the thing at the time. Is Sloan breaking up? What's one chord to another? Is it a new album? Is it, you know, housekeeping? We didn't quite know. So I think I asked him if Sloan were sticking around or if they were taken off, because one chord, I mean, holy smokes, what a smoke show of an album. Would hate to see them, obviously... Um, break up so we will be touring this fall so hopefully you will get out to see us basically we have no stickers or anything like that i'm sending a catalog you don't sound like a crazy man stalker but you can tell your friends we were hanging out at your house so i had permission (laughs) from chris murphy to tell people that they were hanging out at my place because i think i offered them a place to stay i asked them for any stickers and I said, you know, don't don't think I don't think I'm crazy or anything, but you can stay at my place. So that's the reference to you don't sound like a crazy man stalker. That's awesome. And yeah, the Richard Davies release was like a, a cassette promo that they did with uh, the Moles and uh, Cardinal. Oh no, man! Murder Records, man! Like what a great, great. <laughs> great label geez these guys and the, the pictures so I, I i took this and i framed it with some pictures i went to a show in dunville ontario is it dunville or dunsville i think it's dunville it's dunville yeah mike bell if he's listening will definitely suggest that it's dunville mike bell i will honor you sir dunville it is and these were actually some pictures that somebody from the audience took but chris was very nice and we told him that we were going to come to the show and they they let us hang out backstage with them and they were sharing a little portable with matthew good actually and Mm -hmm. when sloan went up i think they were co-headlining whatever this festival was in dunville and so when Sloan was playing, we, we stood side stage and, and Chris came and grabbed me for the underwhelmed um, outro, which was awesome. And it wasn't the first time I actually got to play um, underwhelmed with them at one of the four nights shows at the Palais Royale, which was cool. Oh, but man, I was as a side note, right? I was, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. And I don't think my, I don't think the bass was turned up. And I'm asking Jay, like, what are the notes, man? Please. Like, I, I was too, I'm, sh- I'm sure I had played, I'm sure I was in my fledgling days of playing guitar at the time, but, but this time I actually knew how to play it. So that, that was particularly thrilling. But as soon as I got up on stage, like people, once again, like I could he- hear my name being called from the crowd. So, um, yeah, what a thrill. It, it was something else. These guys and, and, you know, they're, they're such a part of my DNA. So I hope one day, Chris, if you're listening, you guys are part of my DNA. So there you go. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it will, and you've you've certainly booked yourself for the uh, four part Four Nights of the Palo Royale episode that we've got coming up, where we're going to just do a day per episode. But uh, <laughs> but you know what, yeah. man? It's true, and we've talked about this on the show, and I've told this to people for years. You know, when people talk about Sloan being my favorite band, and other Sloan fans, like they are truly just they tick all the boxes, man. Like you know, it's it's clear that they're like the best musicians, great music, the albums are incredible, oh, amazing songwriters. 
they put so much care and time into the music that they make. And on top of that, you know, they could very well just be total dicks, you know, and just like let the music speak for itself. But uh, it's the complete flip opposite. And the pleasure that I've had in the past meeting them, they're all amazing guys. And that goes for the road crew and Mike Nelson and Greg oh McDonald. You know, like they've just got such a wonderful group of people around them. And it just makes the whole experience even more heightened, you know? For sure. I, I love how their attention to detail. I mean, you know, a lot of these stars after the show's over, you know, they beat it and they're gone, but, th- but there's Chris and usually Jay and you'll see Patrick and Andrew as well. Andrew might be out front, you know, smoke. And I don't know if he smokes anymore. Maybe I shouldn't even mention that edited that out, but um, yeah, but they're, they're always out after the show, like standing amongst the yeah. crowd talking to their most loyal of fans and i've even heard chris comment on it he and he said like you know how appreciative he is especially of the sloan fans because you'll get you'll get the ones who who come up and rush them from the start but he i remember him saying one point like it's always you diehard fans you guys are always like in the back you know wait waiting for your turn kind of thing and and hearing him say that is is yeah and and, and i mean what a what a career trajectory these guys had like sloan in the 90s and i mean between twice removed um navy blues and like i mean those those albums are just and when one chord to the other in between obviously like what an amazing trio trilogy of albums for any effing band like I, i i'm beside myself I'm beside myself. It's, 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 it's worth noting, uh, recently, uh, as of, um, here we are in October, 2020, but Chris was just a guest on the protonic reversal, uh, podcast for those out there who haven't heard it, please check it out. It's uh, hosted by Conan Neutron and it's a great, he's on episode 208 and, uh, Murph uh, gets into, you know, not only those albums specifically, but he talks about the relationship to fans. And he mentions, of course, his famous pilgrimage of the two that he took to meet Ian Mackay, uh, in DC in the late or to the mid to late eighties, um, just prior to Fugazi getting together and how, what an effect Ian had on him, you know, that he was his hero. And I think that he definitely projects that forward and sort of pays it forward, you know, with the fans who, you know, want to stick around and make that pilgrimage to see him. Very, very cool. Right. And I mean, that's, that's almost the case. I wonder if anybody has a pilgrimage to, to Toronto planned. It's, it's, it's just unbelievable, like, idolizing these guys and being so nervous around them. Yet, I'll be walking down Bloor Street in Toronto, and, and here's Chris going by. And, yeah, you know, n- no amount of time can pass. I, I still get giddy whenever I see them, especially, especially Jay for some reason. <laughs> it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful encapsulation of Canada... Uh, and the, and the music culture in Canada, it's, you know, and myself having been away from the country for so long, you just look back and you realize Canada is such a village, you know, they're 30, it's a village with 35 million people. So, Mm. you know, the band has reached incredible highs in the Canadian music scene. Um, and, quite frankly have had good success for them have had good success for themselves internationally um but you know you're still going to find patrick walking his dog and he'll have a chat with you on the corner or whatever you know it's super down-to-earth dudes and that culture um that culture seeps down through as you were saying rob seeps down through all of their crew through you know mike nelson who will you know, fill in at the merch table and chat with you for, you know, an hour or whatever. Um, this is just like, this is the real shit. Right. And these are four people who I grew up absolutely idolizing. How, how much better can it get than being on, 
you know, a first name basis with your idols. I'll tell you exactly how much better it can get being in a number of of their videos and being on TV with them. Uh, and that's the story of our guest today, everybody, Ron Baker, otherwise known as blue suit Ron. Uh, let's wrap it up for this one guys. Um, and, and, and we'll definitely have Ron back on. Like I said, for everybody who enjoyed this interview today, we'll definitely have him back for four nights and Ron, whenever you're welcome, whenever you're available, sir, you are welcome anytime on Sloancast. You guys are the best. And I must say I'm a big fan and uh, I sometimes get nervous even when I bump into Rob in the neighborhood. <laughs> well, you know what, buddy, next time you're doing one of your early morning and if, if for anybody who doesn't follow, I don't know if you want people just randomly following you on Instagram, sure. Ron, but yeah, please give out your handle, my friend. Yeah, I'm Toronto underscore Rontario. <laughs> I get an at symbol beforehand, Toronto Rontario, which is what it is. Some people know me as Rontario. I changed my name to Rontario a bunch of years back when I was on Facebook. And I guess around the time I was changing my name a few too many times. And then finally, when I changed it to Rontario, and I think I might have been going to change it to Ron or Ronald or something like that, it said, Sorry, pal, you changed your name too many times. And it was stuck with Rontario. So that's that's my Instagram. Check me out on there. Yeah, Toronto man. And if you're, if you're, if you're ever up, uh, if you, if you have a toddler and you're awake at like five in the morning, you go on Instagram, you go on Instagram live, you're going to see Ron <laughs> doing an early morning walk to Tim Hortons at five 30 in the morning to kind of keep you company. Uh, I feel like a mayor of Toronto. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, everybody, you know, thank you again for listening uh, to this episode of the Sloan cast. We'll have Ron back. Uh, thank you, Ken. Uh, obviously thank you to myself and thank you to the greatest band of all time for existing Sloan. We love you. Um, be sure everybody to check out other podcasts like the Sloan selection, of course, and obviously the guys themselves with the incredible murder records podcast. If you haven't heard it, I'm assuming you have, if you're listening to this one, Jesus, how would that be possible? And check us out on Instagram as well at Sloan cast. We're posting videos. We'll have some fun photos of Ron with some memories and stuff uh, by the time you hear this. So we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.